Hello, everyone. This is Tribecast, episode 20, and my name is Marina. This week, I will offer you to hear three interviews, and here's what you can hear in the order of appearance. First, Veli Pekka Virtanen will tell us about Shift Business Festival. Then, Tom Mirasila explains about the rules of board organization and functioning. And finally, you'll know more about Zush Investment House from Kimo Arpe. This is Tribecastre, episode 20. Let's get started. This week we are having a guest from Turku, from Shift Festival. Probably I'll just cut on here and give the voice to my guest. Hello, okay. Veli Pekka. Please tell our listeners a few things about yourself. Yeah, hi. Hi, my name is Veli Pekka Virtanen. I'm from Shift Business Festival, and as said, coming from Turku now, visiting Tampere here for actually for a couple of days for Manufacturing Performance Days. I'm really, really interested, to, excited to be here. And actually, I would like to start this by sort of complimenting what's happening in tribe every time i come here i'm just astounded on how this place just keeps on developing and just just a few years ago when i first heard about tribe tampere it was some kind of a hashtag that went around the city i guess <laughs> from that now it's an actual place and it with really active people and really nice people and also sort of now you have your own podcast studio so like this place just keeps developing on and on so it's really inspirational to come here every time thank you very much for your kind words and it's great that to have partners and friends all over Finland mm, and exactly. also abroad. Can you please tell a few things about yourself, your background? Yeah, I'm a uh, business student, business student in Turku, originally from up north, from almost from Lapland. I moved to Turku almost 10 years ago, so I'm, I'm basically, that's my home now. I was supposed to become a sociology student, but then, and I sort of applied for business school, sort of as a joke, not the business school, but the University of Applied Sciences business school, sort of the, the business school light. Uh, ended up studying business and then uh, wanted to develop myself in sales, and then ended up doing some sales work in different events. We hosted an recruitment event of our own in our school. Then after that, they quickly re- recruited me to Shift Business Festival. So that's pretty much my background on how I ended up with Shift. I'll probably start with the question I didn't plan to ask. Where does the name come from? Why is it Shift? What are you guys shifting? That is the great mystery even to most of our teammates as well. And uh, I don't actually know the, know the clear story, but I almost think it's better that way that everybody kind of gets to explain it for themselves. For me, myself, that's, it means sort of this small shift towards something better. When you do small shifts in this this time and space, it actually grows more and more as you go into the future. Not doing any mass, massive scale changes or revolutions, but rather small shifts one at a time and then moving gradually towards something better on a personal level and also on a business level. That's what it means for me. When I was preparing for this interview mm-hmm. after we exchanged this intro emails and whatever, I scanned through Sheep's webpage. The shift.fi. Right. So I scanned through this one and I got an impression that shift is mostly for tech industry businesses. Is it true? Mm. Tech industry businesses are, of course, a really important part of our event. Everything has to do with technology these days. Every single branch of business and almost every single branch of our personal lives has something to do with business. This is nothing new. So, of course, we are dwelling into the tech space and startup space alongside with it. But in addition to that, we also want to bring that sort of intelligence in that in technology companies into different heavy industry 
fields as well as to business in general. Shift is called a business festival. Does mm. it mean that you are mostly targeted on more traditional businesses or are startups also welcome? Startups are more than welcome. We are a business festival event. The festival aspect in itself actually does mm, it does not work for everybody. We want to make the event festive, we want to make it fun, colorful, uh, full of music, different kinds of theater pieces, art pieces, interesting things like that. So sometimes some of the more traditional businesses, as you said, don't actually feel feel comfortable inside all of that strangeness and weirdness. But that is a that is how we want to position ourselves. And of course, one event cannot be for everybody. But then again, I think the startup world is something that really feels comfortable in Shift, and we welcome all startups and are really interested to hear about all the cool stuff that they do. I also want to make a important distinction here that but then again uh, shift is not per se a startup event uh, because finland already has a lot of good startup events do you have a favorite one of course my favorite one is stream since i know all the people who, who are building it stream is young it's growing i volunteered for slush for a couple of years now and just the just the sheer size of it and the impact that it has on all of its members and participants is uh, just something you just cannot sort of bypass it it's really something remarkable in in finland and in the world even so it's of course in its whole other category of startup events and really cool in that sense so and then that is one reason why as an event we want to position ourselves as not a startup event exactly we do have a lot of startups but that's more because they work with new technology they work with innovation they know it they sort of have it in their blood how to approach new things and, and that that's more like the reason why we want to have startups in shift as well what would be the criteria for eligibility for a business be it startup or non-startup to participate in shift if there is a startup and they apply for you mm. why can you say no sorry you cannot really you know come to shift can such a situation appear i don't really see see that happening <laughs> if you are a startup working with interesting new technology we're more than happy to have you of course our themes for example this year are pretty heavy industry focused we have artificial intelligence we have maritime industry is big this year we have some manufacturing some circular economy so of course and and those are the themes basically so so in that sense for example some some startups working really heavily in for example the health sector or the health space might not in, in this year's event specifically, they might not find themselves. But if, if they want to come, if they want to learn about what kind of potential AI holds for them in the future, for example, we're more than happy to have them. Right. Do we already know the dates for Shift 2019? Uh, yeah, we definitely do. Uh, 29th and 30th of August. Is the application already ongoing and ticket sales? Yeah, we actually... Uh, well, this, if this airs on Friday, we uh, we actually next week ends our Smart Bird campaign. So if you feel like coming, you should definitely catch your tickets before that. Right. How would you describe the potential benefit for a participant from Shift Festival? Hmm, the benefits that one can gain. Basically, why to go? Well, of course, in every every event, the meetings are the are the sort of meat of the whole thing, and we can provide you with a really interesting network of people, really able to bring together um, people from the startup space, from the tech space, together with people from different heavy industry fields, the really the sort of forerunners and trailblazers of different heavy industry fields, and but then also combining that with academic research professors different faculties of higher education so and and then 
sort of mixing that up with art and music and color, I think it, it creates a really interesting mix of people and peoples and backgrounds and viewpoints. And that, that is really the, the interesting network is like the main point that we can bring. In addition to that, of course, you can attend the keynotes, you can attend the roundtable discussions and enhance the learning. You'll be learning, learning new things. You'll be meeting new interesting people to talk about those things and grow with them. And Any speakers you can already disclose for this year? Mm, yeah, we have, for example, coming the Joshua Benjo. Uh, one of the, you could call him one of the fathers of deep learning. He has uh, sort of been doing research and hard work with AI since at least the 80s. He's been around for a long time and seen what I believe at least a couple of AI hypes already. So <laughs> an interesting man and a person to listen to. Then we have Yuman Arayabu. Well, he, he basically comes and talks about the African startup ecosystem and how that's how that's growing. How you should also pay attention to that continent because well most of the time the discussion really focuses on the states or china but then again there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in africa at the moment i think he can really explain how and elaborate on what is going on there and how you can uh, benefit from that growth as well okay and probably i have one last question for today yeah. according to your experience how do you see the difference between turku and tampere in the sense of startup ecosystem or business ecosystem the old trusty turku versus tampere question well i'm as i said i'm from i'm from northern finland originally so i have no cross to bear in this fight thankfully so i might be able to <laughs> give an objective opinion but to be honest i'm not that sure if i see that big of a difference honestly since we are both more in we both need to sort of figure our stance towards helsinki because helsinki is like the heart to start up ecosystem in finland at the moment and probably probably always will be but then again Turku and Tampere both offer really interesting smaller hubs where things are sort of cooking under. And there's, I think there's going to be interesting stuff coming from, from both cities in the future. As living in Turku myself, I, of course, have to... I'm sort of biased in my viewpoint in that sense. Uh, but then again, I have to say that you people here in Tampere are doing really rapid, amazing work. And I think we in Turku, we need to perhaps up our game a bit in in the following years in order to keep up with you guys. And let me remind our listeners that Tribecast is an independent media and all the opinions you'll hear this week, you have already heard in the previous episodes and you will hear in the coming episodes, are free and open. And I do tend to ask my guests being as free and open in their speech as they're comfortable. Today, for now, I have to thank you, Veli Pekka, mm -hmm. for this interview. Thank that you. was great. It's great to have you here in P47 co-working space. <laughs> thank you. We have one more guest this week who has a very interesting, a very diverse, in my understanding, experience within both business life, startup life, and generally in his professional life. Thank you very much for having time for this interview, Tommy. Let's start with the very beginning. Please tell our listeners a few things about yourself. Yes, thanks. So my name is Tommy, Tommy Rasila. I'm born here in Tampere, been here for a while already. Started my like first job in the age of 13 and my first little company in the age of 17. And I've had several of them so far. I did full VC cycle in 90s with a company called Samporate Systems, where we made basically multi-channel digital audio to high-end and home theater manufacturers around the world. Exited from that in 1990. Uh, no, 2000, after which I then continued my doctoral studies in Tampere University of Technology and, uh, and finished those in 2004, 
my thesis was corporate strategy and especially growth venturing, growth venture process. Uh, I then ha- had uh, eight years. I served eight-year sentence in Tampere Chamber of Commerce and then another two years in, in Finland Chamber of Commerce. That was very, very interesting era because Chamber can do all kinds of things. And, and one thing we created there was this uh, certified board member program. And uh, since 2005, when we started, now 10,000 people have gone through that program. That 10K was broken like a couple of weeks ago. And it's very popular, and, and now you might call me a serial entrepreneur and board professional. You have this experience in boards, and also, as I know, you have written a book about board members. So probably we can talk a bit more about that. And first, I would like to ask, in your understanding, what is a board structure, an ideal board structure? What do you need when you're establishing a company? Well... There is no ideal structure. There's there was no you know one size fits all. Okay, minimal yeah. requirements. Yeah, I can evaluate the question if you don't mind. Well, first of all, not every company even needs a board, or not at least not add value value adding board because sometimes you can just do with the uh, traditional minimum board. So if it's if maybe it's just like you, but like I say in the trainings, you should still not have this traditional you know, brother, spouse, and dog board, where just have somebody in there, but there's no added value. But those people actually, they do still carry the responsibility of your company. But in those early stages, you could resort to mentoring. Like here in Pirkanmaa, we have Pirkanmaan Yrityskummit or Tampere Region Business Mentors. You can check them out, out from the web and, and they do like voluntary work. You need to pay a little, very little annual fee. But that covers everything because mentors do it for free. And uh, and they can sort of be your sounding board towards growth and then maybe having a your first real board. And in there, you can have your mates. I mean, if there's like a team, if it's a tech company, there might be like two, three, four techies who do it. But if there's only those three, four techies on the board, it's it's not very optimal. So you can have like one or two of the founders, uh, but then you should have at least two outsiders in there. Not one, because if there's only one, you can sort of hush this outsider who is wrong about everything. But if there's two of these outsiders who sort of seem to agree upon things, then they usually get their word heard much better. Then as the situation, you know, evolves, company may grow, then then also thus there's a, a life cycle in company life, there's also a life cycle for the board. Because the board will then become more professional. You may have even less founders. The CEO should not be in the board from the beginning. But at least at that point, you know, even if the CEO is a big shareholder, an important founder, he should leave the position in the board because board is the supervisor sort of for the CEO. But then we also go from more operational board. Startup boards are usually very operational. They, they help a lot. I mean, there's so many practical questions that the you know fledgling company has but then you go more to like a value adding board and then you go to strategic board where you actually leave the operational issues behind and, and you more i mean if there's like two of you five ten twenty fifty a hundred then when when there's hundred people in your company well then you should have like a strategic board already and in there you should really see that the people who are there are the best 
you need. You first you need to think about what do we need in our board, and then you find those people. You don't do it like okay, who do we know who is available? Because that's the, exactly the, the wrong way to do it. Speaking of board, there are lots of talks nowadays about diversity. In your experience, do you believe that it's good to have people from the same culture? I'm not talking about how good do we know each other. We kind of got that covered, but like background, cultural background. Is it better to have it safe, or is it better to have it diverse? Diversity in, in many ways is important. If you have five people who always agree on the board, then you have four unnecessary people because those people they need to bring new views and alternate views on the subject a diversity of you know education background experience age gender nationality whatever so there's even studies about you know these homogeneous versus diverse boards diverse boards bring more value and success for the company the companies with diverse boards are more successful but then again you shouldn't you know you mustn't force it if your company needs this kind of expertise then i mean if you need expertise a b and c then you may stick to that you don't need to force you know d and e in there if you really don't need it also i am not a proponent of you know gender diversity if it's forced so that you must have like minimum of 30 of of each gender or you must have other nationalities first of all if your company is a small company in tampere much better logistically to have everybody from this region because you need to meet of course you can meet by teleconferencing but still it's better it's nicer to meet at least i mean you know every other meeting should be face to face you can sometimes you can have like this you know middle meetings then or meetings in the middle of these face to face meetings which are teleconferencing but also i do recommend all the young people male as well as female people to join these boards now a semi commercial thing i am not getting anything from this you know certified board member course but it's definitely a good place to go if you put yourself a board or if you join a board because it tells you the basics it's an investment in the direction that you know what you can do and what you should not do because there are all kinds of you know responsibilities there as well since you mentioned the course and since we agreed that it's not a commercial could you please specify where i can find the information about the course online and who are eligible if there are any requirements Yeah, unfortunately, I think it's only done in Finnish. You can find the information at hhj.fi, so it's hyväksytty hallituksen jäsen in Finnish. But naturally, you can join any board without any course. But of course, you should be aware of, you know, the basic stuff in there. Maybe the point here is that the boards they do need diversity. I was like every incorporated, every osakeyhtiö (OY) in Finland by law has a board. And not all of those boards are, you know, perfect. Most of them are far from perfect. And there's lots of room there for people like you who are listening to me there today. Because they need new kinds of thinking. They need new young thoughts, young, young you know, people who can, who can think different. Of course, you mustn't think too different. You just can't just go there and, you know, say that, hey, change everything. And, you know, you need to do this when you have one thing. Then this one thing is not, it must not be the hammer. You know, these 
the story about if your only tool is a hammer, then every problem looks like a nail. But that means that you also will then, with your hammer, you will learn from these other people about other tools. You will learn much about business. Not only that business of that company, but, but many other companies too. So it's very, very, very inspiring and educational for you too. And this can do, this may have to do with, you know, young people who are just learning, but also with, you know, seasoned professionals who are professional in something. They can go on a board of a different kind of company and they both contribute and they learn. So I really do recommend you all to, you know, think about both joining a board as well as building a board for your own company when the time is right. Do you remember how many boards have you been member of? in your life um can't tell like that but yes i do have my cv which is very long currently i serve on six boards on five of them i'm the chairman which is too much work of the chairman is i'd say two to three times the effort of a, a regular member because you you do need to you know prepare the meetings and communicate with the ceo a whole lot i'd say two to three three to four times rather but anyway these boards are actually pretty diverse so i'm i'm not a specialist of any other subject as such rather than i'm a specialist of board work itself corporate governance as well as startups so i'm sort of a startup board guy i suppose also i'm a member of board in uh, finnish information security cluster which is an association of cyber companies so that's another way you can contribute you can join board of a voluntary organization or or something like that Right. I cannot say that I ran out of questions, but probably will be quite over time if I continue. That was a very interesting talk. Thank you very much, Tommy, for having time for this interview. And I hope our listeners also got some thought-provoking information. Thanks. And we can continue on any subject then later. Thanks. And this week we have one more guest, who is Kimo. So basically, first things first, hello Kimo, and please tell our listeners a few things about yourself. Yes. Ah, hello, my name is Kimo Arpe. I'm uh, an older software person. So been like most of the senior guys in Finland, come from Nokia background. So did 22 years at that Nokia Networks. In, from junior test engineer role to managing serious businesses. And out of the 22 years, I lived abroad about 15 years. So more than half of the career was really taking the software products to the markets and, and uh, working with the customers. And then I checked your LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And then it says that from Nokia, you started working on startups. Yes. And In your experience, what's the biggest difference between working in a corporation and working in like a startup? Well, I, I think the corporation, there's a lot of boxes that people work within the box and they have quite strict responsibilities and, and roles and responsibilities. And uh, I think I was trying to bring the innovation culture and, and you know, doing things I call it the proper way, understanding first what, what you built and then, then build it and sell it, rather than I think the corporations are often defining things themselves and, and then going out and selling them. Obviously, they do have their channels and customers, so it's a little bit easier. But if you contrast that with the startups, they have to make sure they build the right thing. So there is the product market fit for their thingies. I always thought that the startup is more about experimenting and like jumping into market as quick as possible. Well, I think uh, you, you still need to make sure that you are building the right thing. 
So we at Zeus, and this was one of the things that I was trying to bring to Nokia also, was to bring this design thinking or kind of service design, interaction design. So really doing ethnographic studies on who would be your users and what do they need, what are their motivations for the product. And and I, I think that's kind of the winning formula for the startups because then you validated your proposition with the real customers before you go and spend awful lot on, on building it. Since you started talking about it, could you please tell a few things about Zush? Like, what do you guys do and, you know, background info? And I have one side question. In your social media, you don't call it a company or a startup. You call it a house. Why house? Yeah, you know, lovable child has many names. I still call it the pan-European startup factory or company builder. So actually, it really did start from the notion that we want to be a special type of investor, helping people realize their dreams or their great ideas. And we were looking for people who come from industry, who have knowledge about the area where they work on, and they identify that there is an issue, and maybe you could fix it with some digitalization. And we then wanted to come in as a, as a almost like a technology co-founder and really help them build the thing. And that was kind of, in the beginning, we didn't have money, so it was all about sweat, helping the companies to build their MVPs and But yeah, we are kind of investor with the twist or we are investor house. Then over the years, we've also developed digital services side of the company and also a product side. So we have kind of three legs in a company at the moment. And that's kind of come. The services came from the fact that big corporations wanted to utilize our innovation approach. But obviously, they couldn't give us equity on their companies because they were publicly listed. So they started buying services from us. Then uh, we started actually getting some of our own IP through some services products or projects that the customers just wanted to buy a license model or a different way. And they said, well, we just want to buy this as a service. You can sell this to others as well. So we developed a kind of a, a product portfolio as well. How big is the team now? We're about 50 people. We are headquartered in Ireland. In Ireland, we have a little short of 10 people. Then our R&D is, is in Budapest, where we have 30-ish people at the moment. And then we are now ramping up Finland. Uh, so we really started last year coming to Finland on a bigger way. And, and we will have our first technical team starting in summer. So we'll have six people here in Tampere, or actually five in Tampere and one in Helsinki in August, and, and uh, continuing to grow. Or at least that's the plan. Right. Since you're starting in Finland, are you hiring? Yes, we are. Okay, then we take this as advertisement. <laughs> yes. So if you want to come and work for a very innovative international, small innovative international company, so you get kind of the good perks of an international company in a small family type of a company, I think Zeus is a great place. So you have you have uh, Irish part, you have Finnish part, you have Budapest, which mm -hmm. is Hungary, Hungary, yes. right? And you have United States, as far as I know. Yeah, obviously. I mean, Ireland has a very direct link to the east coast of US because of the whole Irish American link. Yeah. So there's 40 million Irish Americans. So there is a very tight knit uh, linkage between the the Ireland and the U.S. So, of course, U.S. being the biggest market there is, helping our portfolio companies 
to get foothold in, in America is, is something that is, is also seen very valuable. But I basically wanted to ask why, like, okay, Irish-US is kind of logical, but then there is Hungary and Finland. And to me, this is like, it seems very diverse combination. You well, know what it I is, mean? but it does Are there differences the, in the market? Well, there, the mar- marketplaces are definitely different. I mean, I mean, in terms of digitalization and startup skin, the markets are very different. I mean, Finland is clearly the, the most advanced, mostly engineering driven. I think the fact that Nokia was big here and there's been so many people being laid off and starting their own companies but it's it's very technology heavy startup scene here also i think in terms of big companies are much more advanced in terms of their technology roadmaps and digitalization than for example in hungary so it also helps us to when you see something on one market you can leverage or immediately kind of verify that is this applicable on on other markets where we are but but your question about the diverse three markets there is a, a very personal thing behind so so the three founders myself from finland Mervin from Ireland and Balas from Hungary, we used to work together at Nokia. That was kind of a natural becoming international from day one, even when we were kind of a startup of ourselves. Okay, that's Nokia connecting people. I have nothing else to say on that. Someone recently joked on my podcast that he was sent out of Finland and had to start his own business outside because he didn't make it to Nokia and people mm, just don't want him okay. there. How do you generally estimate the situation of Finnish startup market nowadays? Like I said, I think it's very technology heavy. I think, and I go all the time, I work with universities here in Tampere and, and actually also in Uvascula, where I'm originally from, try to keep on top of what's happening on uh, research programs and what could be the upcoming things. But it is very, most of the startups here technology heavy somebody's really developing an app developing a technology developing so for us it's not maybe as easy market to find those people who are more of a domain experts more the business people who understand that okay there's something needed on this particular domain but i don't know how to build it i don't know how to do it i don't know how to make it scalable and verify that this is actually something that there is market for Could you then tell a bit more about your cooperation with the universities, since you mentioned it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I take part on these total so research to companies type of uh, uh, funding things. So where you are actually looking at what research you need to still do to be able to take something into commercial. And then I, I just like hanging around with the young people at the university. So it's a lot of personal connections. There is awful lot of programs like like this total where you can kind of get into a structured way but it, it is a lot of uh, personal connections and, and talking with people right then i can invite you to hang out more also in tribe tamper premises sure. we, we have lots yeah. of young people and people young with their minds and we have great connections here yeah that i'd be you know we have an office at the crazy town here in tampere and i know there is a tight link between the tribe and the crazy town so yeah love to come here occasionally to hang around and, and talk with people and understand what's going on here make also people aware what we do so even if their thing is not the direct match at least they would know when they could then do the recommendation 
recommendations for us to get together with the right-minded people. Let me remind our listeners that interview with Timo Lachti from Crazy Town can be heard in one of the previous episodes and also the cooperation between Crazy Town and Tribe Tamper has recently ended up in a coolest networking party in town, which was Tribe Plus, which had its place in Helsinki. And we did some cool stuff there. You can also check on our social media. Thank you very much for this interview, Kimo. Thank you. It was my pleasure. This was Tribecast, episode 20, and my name is Marina. Since this week we celebrate the round number of episodes, I would like to ask you, dear listeners, for a small present. Please share the link for episode 20 in your social media. If you feel like writing something good about us, thank you then. Otherwise, just hashtag TribecastTre. And for now, I wish you all a great weekend. I'm going to spend mine on making a cake for the team. And I hope you will stay warm and tuned. <laughs>